0: Good afternoon. Today, uh, we're happy to welcome Jeremiah Blocky to our seminar series. Um, Jeremiah is an assistant professor in computer science here at Purdue University. His research interests are in cryptography, data privacy, and security. Prior to joining Purdue, Jeremiah completed his PhD at Carnegie Mellon. He also spent a year at Microsoft Research Lab in New England as a postdoc. Jeremiah, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Go ahead and take it away. All right, uh,
1: thanks. Uh, so I'm excited to uh, talk to you today about uh, a counterintuitive defense against password cracking, which we call password strength signaling. Uh, so this is joint work with my uh, PhD students, uh, Wenji Bai and uh, Ben Harsha. Um, ben Harsha has actually uh, just uh, defended this, uh, this past summer and he'll, uh, he'll be joining Amazon security team. All right, uh, so as motivation, uh, let's just uh, um, review how passwords are stored on uh, uh, traditionally. Um, So uh, here's Alice registering for an account at playstation.com. So she uh, sends over her favorite password, 123456. PlayStation, uh, the authentication server, will pick uh, a random value called the salt. uh, And then they will um, append the salt value to the, to Alice's password, uh, hash it, and store the resulting hash value on their server. And then later, later, uh, if Alice tries to authenticate, uh, they'll recompute this hash value uh, and check to see if it matches the the file on their server. Now, what can unfortunately happen uh, is uh, um, hackers may be able to break into a PlayStation server and steal the password hash uh, hash file. Uh, this might be because uh, PlayStation didn't download the latest security patch, maybe they didn't protect against SQL injection attacks, whatever it is, uh, once an attacker breaks into their server, uh, they have these hash values. And at this point, uh, the attacker can mount a fully automated brute force attack to try to recover Alice's password. Uh, she can simply, uh, The attacker can simply loop through a dictionary of likely password guesses, uh, recompute the hash of uh, each password in the dictionary, and compare it with a hash on file. And as soon as they find a match, uh, the attacker has cracked Alice's password. So offline attacks uh, are unfortunately a common problem. Uh, password breaches at major company have actually affected billions of user accounts. Uh, so shown on this slide is uh, actually a very incomplete uh, wall of shame. Uh, these are a number of uh, organizations that have had uh, large scale password breaches. Okay, uh, offline attacks are also a very dangerous problem. Uh, so uh, we've got uh, machines here like the Antminer S9, which are capable of evaluating the SHA-2 hash function 14 trillion times per second. Uh, this machine is not super expensive. Uh, you can buy it for around, you know, a thousand to $2,000 on online. And uh, to make matters worse, uh, people are still, uh, picking predictable passwords. Uh, So shown here is a word cloud of some of the most popular uh, passwords that people pick. Um, So this leads to a natural question. Uh, Can we deter uh, the password attacker? Um, Can we do something to to ensure that the uh, password offline attacker cracks as few passwords as possible? So um, in in previous uh, work, uh, we've introduced a decision theoretic model, uh, which allows us to predict how a uh, rational password attacker would behave. So in particular, we're assuming that the attacker knows the distribution over user chosen passwords, but he doesn't know which particular password uh, a user picked. Uh, So this uh, attacker is going to uh, select a strategy and the strategy is basically going to be uh, guess the top B passwords and then give up where B is a parameter that the attacker uh, can pick to maximize his expected profit. So the attacker's expected profit is going to be given by the expected reward for the attacker minus the attacker's expected guessing costs. So here, the reward depends on the value of a cracked password, uh, which will denote B, uh, the number of guesses that uh, um, the attacker attempts, and the user password distribution. So once we know uh, uh, the user password distribution, uh, we can go ahead and compute the probability that the attacker actually cracks the password. Uh, This is just the sum of the probability of the top b passwords in the distribution. Multiply that with the value of the cracked password, value of cracked password, and we get the attacker's expected reward. Now, there's another component in this uh, decision-theoretic model, which is the attacker's expected guessing costs. So here, the expected guessing cost uh, depends on several factors. Once again, it'll depend on the user's password distribution. Uh, It'll depend on the cost, k, uh, per password guess. Uh, So in other words, the cost of evaluating this password hash function. Uh, And uh, there's a technique called key stretching, which uh, deliberately increases password hashing costs. But as we'll see in a second, uh, um, key stretching is limited by the server workload. Okay. Uh, so let's suppose that it costs the attacker k uh, per per password guess. What's the attacker's uh, expected guessing costs? Well, um, if the attacker happens to crack the user's password on uh, on the i-th guess, then their total uh, cost would be k times i, and uh, then we'll multiply that by p i, the probability that the k th- that the i-th guess is correct. Um, similarly, if uh, um, if they fail to, uh, uh, to crack the user's password, uh, then they'll pay cost KB. And we'll multiply that by the probability that they, um, that the attacker fails to crack the password. OK, so this, uh, this formula gives us the attacker's uh, um, expected, uh, expected guessing costs. OK, uh, so now how do we deter a rational attacker? Well, one approach is uh, something called key stretching. So key stretching, the idea is basically make this hash function as expensive as possible uh, to increase the cost K uh, in hopes that uh, the attacker will give up uh, earlier. Now, there's a number of ways to make this hash function more expensive to compute. Uh, one method is just simple hash iteration. So instead of computing the hash of the password, compute the hash of the hash of the hash in general, we could iterate the, this hash function tau times, and this will make the function tau times more expensive. There's also a more modern uh, uh, way to perform uh, key stretching, which is called uh memory hard, uh, memory hard functions. Uh, so s or argon2, these are examples of memory hard functions, and they have a number of advantage over, advantages over hash iteration. Uh, but the distinction is not, uh, not super important for the purposes of this talk. Now, uh, there is a limitation to key stretching. Uh, the limitation here is that the honest party must evaluate the password hash function as well. And of course, uh, the honest party has to evaluate this hash function quickly. right? Uh, so we can't, uh, we can't perform too much computation because users expect to, uh, uh, to hear back from the authentication server within, let's say, almost half a second. Right? Uh, if we take longer than that, uh, say, a minute or two minutes, Users will get impatient waiting to, to hear back from the authentication server whether or not their uh, uh, their password was correct or not. So in this uh, in this talk, we're going to propose uh, a somewhat crazy idea uh, called password strength signaling, and password strength signaling involves no changes to the password hashing algorithm. Uh, so the idea is as follows. Um, Instead of simply storing the username salt and uh, password hash like we normally would, what we're going to do is, a, is we're going to additionally store a strength signal. Um, so uh, the strength signal might indicate whether the password is weak, strong or moderate strength. Now, this seems like a crazy idea, right? After all, if the attacker breaks into the server, uh, they will see uh, the signal and, uh, you know, uh, the thought is, won't that just uh, give the attacker more information and make it easier for the attacker's, uh, attacker to crack the user's password? And the answer is yes. If the attacker breaks into the server, they will see this uh, strength signal. And that's actually exactly what we want. We want them to observe this uh, the signal and to modify their strategy accordingly. Now, lest you think I'm uh, completely crazy, I should uh, add the caveat uh, that uh, this signal that we that we publish on the on the authentication server is actually noisy. So sometimes the signal strength will be accurate and sometimes the signal strength will be a lot. And the question now is, uh, can we tune or uh, can we tune this noisy signal in an appropriate way so that we actually reduce the number of uh, passwords that a rational adversary will crack? Now, an intuitive answer, uh, and this is the answer we first uh, thought was the case, uh, is no way, right? Uh, a rational attacker will only use the signal if it benefits him. Uh, so it seems like in the best case, the attacker will simply ignore the signal. In the worst case, the signal will actually help the uh, help the attacker. So it seems like there's no way this could actually reduce the, uh, the number of passwords that the rational attacker is going to crack. But uh, this reasoning actually turns out to be a fallacy. Uh, and the reason is that password cracking is not a zero-sum game. So recall that the attacker's profit uh, isn't just his expected reward, it's, it's the expected reward minus the expected guessing cost. So in this case, uh, you know, for example, when the uh, signal strength is strong, it may be in the attacker's best interest to simply uh, reduce guessing costs and give up quickly. Um, in other words, set his guessing budget to be zero, and don't even bother trying to crack the password. Now, if we tune the signal appropriately, uh, the attacker may continue to do this uh, even when the signal strong is inaccurate, right? So even if the actual password, you know, maybe occasionally when we see a signal strong, maybe sometimes the password is actually weak. And in this case, uh, if the adversary just gives up any time he, anytime he sees a, a strong signal, uh, then we're saving some of these weak passwords from from being cracked. Okay, uh, so uh, at least uh, at least in theory, there may be a hope that uh, that this could could work. Let's see. Uh, actually, a concrete example now. Oh, uh, I guess before the concrete example, I should note that uh, this idea of password strength signaling is actually motivated by the area of uh, uh, by the theory of Bayesian persuasion, which has been uh, well studied in, in game theory and economics. Uh, but it's, uh, it's somewhat surprising here that it would actually work in the in the context of password hashing. So let's, uh, let's look at a motivating example here. Uh, let's suppose that the user password distribution is as follows. Uh, so let's suppose that the most popular password uh, is chosen with probability one half. The second most popular password is chosen with probability one fourth, and so on and so forth. In general, the i-th most popular password in the distribution is chosen with probability two to the minus i. Okay, uh, so this is the distribution over user passwords. Um, the user will sample their password from this distribution, and of course, the attacker doesn't know which password was sampled, but they know the they know the distribution. So let's suppose that the hashing cost for each password guess is k. Uh, so every time the attacker wants to uh, verify or check a password. It's going to cost him k, and let's suppose the value of a cracked password is v. And here, let's assume that v is just slightly larger than two times k, so it's almost two times k, but it's slightly larger. All right. So um, let's first uh, imagine, or let's first consider what the attacker would do if we don't use uh, if we don't use password strength signaling. So in this case, I claim that the rational attacker's uh, utility-optimizing strategy is to set B star equal to infinity. In other words, the attacker is just going to continue guessing and guessing and guessing until the password's cracked. Let's see why that's, uh, let's see why that's the case. Well, let's suppose that the attacker's made B guesses so far, and the attacker is trying to decide whether or not to make an additional guess. So notice first of all that the conditional probability that the next guess is correct is the probability that the actual password is password b plus one, conditioned on the events that the password wasn't uh, you know password one through password b. Now what is this uh, what is this uh, uh, conditional probability? Well, we can uh, just uh, use the law of conditional probability and compute it directly. So it's two to the minus b uh, plus one divided by uh, one minus uh, the probability of, uh, of all these events. And if we evaluate this, this gives us uh, actually one half as uh, our answer. So the conditional probability that the next guess is correct is always one half. Um, and this means that the expected reward for the next guess is uh, V times one half, or just V over two. Now notice that uh, we picked the parameter V so that v over 2 is strictly larger than k, uh, which means that the expected reward uh, is always larger than the guessing cost uh, for checking the next password. So in other words, the attacker is never going to reach a situation where the attacker wants to give up. Uh, He's always going to want to continue checking uh, one more password until he actually has cracked the password. So in this case, a rational attacker will crack 100% of uh, passwords from this distribution. And the question is, can we prevent the attacker from cracking passwords with probability one hundred percent? Okay. Well, um, in this uh, in this case, uh, and obviously uh, uh, we admit that this is a contrived uh, um, user password distribution for the sake of uh, for the sake of example. But in this case, the example is yes. So let's uh, let's uh, consider the following signaling scheme. Uh, so let's imagine that the user picks a password uh, PW. Now, if pw is equal to password one, the weakest password in the distribution, then we're going to flip a coin. And if the coin comes up, heads, we'll set uh, our signal to be equal to zero. Otherwise, we'll set the signal to be equal to one. Intuitively, you can think signal zero indicates that the password is the weakest password. Signal one indicates that the password is strong or at least uh, not the weakest password. Now, if the user's password was not uh, password one, if it was not the weakest password, then we're just going to set signal uh, equal to 1, always. OK, so now uh, what the attacker observes is he observes the signal. And now the attacker can perform a Bayesian update. So if the attacker sees the signal 0, uh, well, the only way to ever observe a signal 0 is if the password is password 1. So in this case, the conditional probability of uh, uh of the past user's password being password one, given signal equals to zero, is just one, right? We just know know the user's password in this case. Okay, now that sounds uh, that sounds menacing, uh, but let's suppose, on the other hand, that the signal was one. Well, in this case, we abter- obtain a new conditional probability distribution after the attacker performs a Bayesian update. So in this case, the conditional probability uh, that the user's password is uh, password one. Given that we observe signal uh, one, it's just one third. And in general, uh, the conditional probability that the user's password was actually password i, given that we observe signal one, is uh, as follows uh, it's four thirds times uh, uh, two to the minus i. Okay. Uh, so uh, now the attacker performs this Bayesian update. And we want to know uh, how a rational how a rational attacker would respond to uh, 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 would respond uh, to this uh, these updated posterior probabilities. Okay. Uh, well, uh, certainly, if the attacker sees the signal zero, he's going to crack the password. But when the attacker sees the signal one, uh, then we observe this conditional probability distribution, and I claim that the attackers a uh, rational attacker's utility optimizing strategy is actually to set B star equal to zero. In other words, give up immediately, don't try to crack the password. Now I'm not gonna prove this, uh, but you can uh, plug into the formulas we showed you in uh, in previous slides, and you can, uh, uh, you can verify that uh, yes, this actually is the attacker's uh, utility optimizing strategy. The consequence then is that uh, the rational attacker is going to crack the user's password if and only if uh, the signal is zero. So, in other words, the rational attacker will fail to crack the user's password with probability at least probability sig equals one, right? So, probability of observing signal equals one. That's the probability that the uh, attacker is going to fail to crack the user's password. Now, what is the probability of observing signal one? Uh, well, it's the probability that the um, that the user picks a Uh, password other than password one times the probability of observing signal one, given that uh, we don't pick the weakest password. And that conditional probability is just one. Uh, Plus uh, the probability of observing signal one, uh, given that our password is uh, password one times the probability of picking password one. And this is just one half times one half. Uh, So we get uh, one half times one or one half plus one fourth, which gives us uh, total probability three fourths. So three fourths would be the probability of 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 observing signal one, and uh, whenever the attacker observes uh, signal one, he doesn't crack the password. So in this case, uh, the attacker is only going to crack twenty five percent of user passwords after uh, after signaling. Um, so this is uh, quite impressive. We went from an attacker who cracked hundred percent of passwords. Uh, we changed nothing about the password hashing algorithm. All we did is adopted a uh, signaling scheme, and suddenly the rational attacker is only cracking 25% of user passwords. Now, okay, admittedly, uh, um, admittedly this is kind of a contrived password distribution for the sake of example, uh, but as we'll see later, um, uh, signaling can actually work in practice for real password distributions. So our contributions in this uh, paper. uh, First, we introduce uh, password strength signaling uh, as a novel yet uh, counterintuitive defense against uh, rational password cracking attackers. Uh, Next, uh, we'll introduce a Stackelberg game model uh, for password strength signaling. Uh, Intuitively, the defender is going to commit to a signaling strategy with the goal of minimizing the percentage of passwords uh, cracked by a rational attacker. And the rational attacker is going to follow uh, by uh, playing whatever uh, attack maximizes its utility or profit. And finally, once we've introduced our Stackelberg game model, uh, we will use this game model to conduct an empirical analysis on real password data sets to see whether signaling actually reduces the, uh, the percentage of passwords that a rational attacker would crack. Okay. Um, So just to review the the basic strength signaling mechanism, uh, let's look at how account creation might look. Uh, So here, um, uh, the user registers their accounts uh, with uh, their favorite password. Um, In this case, the server is going to pick a random salt value and uh, hash uh, the password with the salt value as normal. And now uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to um, compute the strength of the the user's password. we can either do this directly um, if we know the password distribution, or we could use a password strength meter to estimate the strength of the user's password. Uh, then uh, we're going to uh, run a randomized algorithm, get signal, uh, and this takes this as input the strength of the user's password and outputs a signaled strength, where the signaled strength may or may not be equal to the actual uh, strength. Um, okay, and uh, then what we're going to store uh, is just the username, the salt, the hash, and uh, the signal. Of course, we're not going to store the actual strength of the user's password, so we're going to just just discard this. Now, authentication actually works in exactly the same way, uh, right? Authentication is uh, going to do exactly the same thing: uh, recompute the hash, check to see if it makes uh, if it matches the hash on file. If it doesn't, then authentication fails. Otherwise, authentication succeeds. Uh, in fact, authentication doesn't even need to um, uh, reference this uh, signal strength. Um, so this process is completely unchanged. Okay, uh, so now what we wanna do is we wanna introduce a Stackelberg game model. Uh, and we model wanna model the uh, defender, uh, the authentication server and the attacker. Uh, So a Stackelberg game model is simply a leader follower game. Uh, So basically, the leader uh, plays an action first. Uh, In this case, the leader's action is going to be committing to a signaling matrix. Uh, And here, the signaling matrix is just uh, um, uh, a bunch of real numbers uh, between 0 and 1. Intuitively, Sij, the ijth entry in the signaling matrix, uh, it's going to give us the probability of uh, signaling that the password strength is j when the user's actual password strength is i, right? So uh, uh, basically, uh, the signaling matrix just gives us uh, um, a way of uh, um, a way of sampling, or yeah, uh, uh, it gives us a way of sampling the signal, right? Uh, so once we get the user's actual strength. Uh, Right, now we can just uh, um, infer the probability distribution over signals from this matrix. And that gives us a way to to sample a a strength signal. And of course, our goal when picking the signaling matrix is going to be to minimize the percentage of passwords that a rational attacker would would crack. Um, So of course, we want to minimize the percentage of cracked passwords, again, under the assumption that the rational attacker is going to respond with a utility-optimizing strategy. Okay, so the next component of our model is uh, uh, going to model the rational attacker. So after observing signal y, uh, the attacker can perform evasion updates. And in particular, the posterior probability of the password uh, pw condition on signal y is just given by the following formula. Okay, Uh, so we perform evasion updates. And now we can sort all the passwords in descending order of their posterior probability. And now what the attacker is going to do is uh, he's going to pick uh, um, some budget by. And what this budget tells us is that when the attacker observes signal y, what he's going to do is he's going to top guess the top by passwords in the posterior uh, distribution and then give up. Okay, and of course the attacker is going to uh, may pick a different value by uh, based on uh, the signal he, he observes. Uh, so in general, his strategy or his action is going to be to pick a uh, a vector of uh, BY, by values, one for each uh, possible signal that he might observe. And uh, here, uh, we'll let lambda by uh, be the probability of uh, the top b passwords in the posterior distribution. Uh, so lambda by is just going to be the, the sum of the top probabilities of the top b passwords in this posterior distribution. So the utility of the attacker uh, when playing an action profile uh, is going to be given uh, by the following formula. So it's going to be the sum over possible signals y of probability of observing the signal times the utility of the attacker when we observe this signal. Um, Right, and to compute the utility of the attacker when observing a particular signal y, we can actually just use the the same formula um, from from the last uh, from the beginning of the talk uh, and plug it in. Okay, so now we have a, a formula for the attacker's uh, uh, utility, and of course uh, the attacker is uh, going to pick a strategy profile which maximizes its uh, expected utility. So the attacker is just going to play uh, utility uh, action b y star, where b y star is given by uh, the argmax of uh, of this function UadV and in this case, uh, um, once we know uh, how many, uh, uh, once we know the attacker's budget for each uh, for each signal, uh, we can compute the uh, percentage of cracked passwords. So in particular, uh, we'll let f of v k s uh, be the percentage of uh, the expected number of passwords that get cracked by a rational attacker, uh, given value v for cracked password and cost k per, for password guess. Um, so in this case. Uh, The percentage of cracked passwords. Again, we're going to sum over signals y. We're going to look at the probability that the signal for a user's, for a random user's password is equal to y. And then multiply it by lambda um, by star. Uh, This is the attacker's budget uh, uh, when uh, the signal is y. Um, And uh, this, yeah, by star is the attacker's budget. Lambda by star uh, comma y just gives us the. Uh, the probability that a a password is actually in the top by star passwords in the posterior distribution. So this formula gives us the expected number of cracked passwords. And uh, now uh, we can go back and look at the defender. Uh, The defender's goal is to minimize the the percentage of cracked passwords. So in other words, find a signaling matrix, matrix S star, which minimizes this quantity. Okay. Uh, so, this is the defenders optimization problem, uh, and uh, this is a typical type of optimization problem that one would encounter, for, encounter in Stackelberg game theory. Uh, so, in this case, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use a heuristic black box optimization tool to solve our optimization problem. It may not actually give us the optimal S uh, star, uh, but it'll come close, and in practice, it works uh, quite well. So we're gonna use an evolutionary algorithm called ByteOpt uh, in our empirical experiments to, to actually solve this optimization problem. Okay, uh, so now uh, um, now we've introduced uh, password strength signaling. We've introduced our Stackelberg game model. Uh, now we can actually apply our model to analyze uh, um, the performance of password strength signaling on real world password distributions. Uh, so we're gonna use nine uh, uh, nine leaked data sets from a variety of companies um, like you uh, LinkedIn, web host, et uh, The defender's uh, going to take as input uh, a value and cost parameter, uh, use byte ops to find the optimal signaling strategy, and then we're just going to compute uh, um, how many passwords the rational attacker would crack. To use this, uh, um, to repeat this uh, process, we need to um, have uh, work with a password distribution. Uh, one way to define a, a password distribution given a breached data set is just to use the empirical distribution. So in other words, we can set the password of prob- probability of password i to be fi, the frequency of uh, password i in the data set, divided by n, the number of passwords in the data set. Um, and this, uh, this approach works pretty well, except uh, uh, when the frequencies start to get small in the tail of the distribution, uh, the empirical distribution may not actually match the, the real distribution, uh, so we'll use a statistical tool called Good-Turing frequency estimation to actually bound the uncertainty and highlight uh, when the empirical distribution might uh, diverge from the real one. Uh, we'll also derive another distribution uh, from uh, uh, from sophisticated state-of-the-art uh, password cracking models. So we'll just uh, basically run uh, these state-of-the-art password cracking models. Uh, on uh, the passwords in a data set, and that'll give us uh, um, that'll give us a uh, a distribution which is just fit to the to the cracking curve. Uh, so we can uh, derive distributions in, in both uh, both of these ways. Okay, so let's uh, first look at uh, um, the empirical password distribution uh, using the Neopets uh, uh, data set. Uh, so here, um, again, uh, we have the empirical uh, password distribution. Uh, And we can see that uh, when uh, v over k, in this case, I guess it's about 4 times 10 to the 6th. So in other words, the value of a cracked password is about uh, 4 million times the the cost of uh, of a password guess. Um, In this case, uh, we can see about an 8% improvement. Um, So in other words, uh, by signaling, we reduce the percentage of passwords by about 8%. Uh, here uh, we've highlighted uncertain regions. Uh, this is just the uh, region of the cracking curve where the empirical distribution may diverge from the real password distribution. But you'll notice here that uh, our eight percent improvement lies outside the uncertain region. Um, uh, so in this case, we actually are getting the improvement. It's uh, it's not because our uh, model distribution is inaccurate. Uh, we can also evaluate the robustness of uh, information signaling or password strength signaling. Uh, so here we can look at uh, what if we pick the signaling matrix by uh, optimizing, assuming that uh, v is equal to uh, 10 million, or sorry, a million times k. And in this case, uh, if uh, um, if our estimate for the attacker's value is reasonably close, uh, we improve on uh, um, we improve on the status quo, uh, no signaling. But if uh, if our estimate for the attacker's value is widely inaccurate. Uh, then uh, in this case, uh, you're better off not using uh, information signaling. Uh, you're better off just, uh, you know, not uh, not signaling at all. Um, so basically, what this is showing is that as long as we can uh, get our estimate of the attacker's value to be reasonably close, um, it benefit it's beneficial to use uh, use information signaling. Um, Now we can repeat the uh, same experiments uh, using distributions derived from uh, sophisticated password cracking models. Um, And here, once again, uh, we can see uh, that uh, by adopting information signaling, we can reduce the percentage of cracked passwords uh, substantially in this case uh, by about 10%. Now, um, uh, we can also uh, apply information signaling in in a context where uh, the attacker is an offline attacker. So, for example, many companies use CAPTCHAs to throttle online attackers. In this case, the guessing cost is given by the cost of solving the CAPTCHA. So, for example, a CAPTCHA might just be uh, garbled text and you have to um, ungarble the text and type it in. Uh, in this case, uh, the cost of uh, solving a CAPTCHA tends to be much larger than the cost of evaluating a password hash. Uh, So in this case, the ratio V over K tends to be much smaller uh, than in an offline attack. Uh, But we can still uh, um, evaluate the performance of uh, V over K when, uh, or sorry, of information signaling when V over K is small. Uh, In this case, we still see substantial improvement. Uh, We see a reduction of about 3.4% in the the fraction of cracked passwords. Uh, So it still works uh, even uh, even in this context. Okay. Now, uh, those are the positives. Uh, I wanted to, before I uh, wrap up, I wanted to raise an important ethical question. Um, So um, let's say that uh, a user is unlucky if their password was not going to be cracked uh, before signaling, uh, but after signaling, the password is cracked. Uh, Similarly, uh, we'll call a user lucky if their password was going to be cracked before we signaled strength, And after we signal strength, it it wasn't cracked. So obviously, uh, because password strength signaling is reducing the the number of cracked passwords, we have more lucky users than unlucky users. Uh, But one of the things we looked at uh, is this question of, do we actually have any unlucky users? And the answer is yes. Uh, So uh, there may be um, unlucky users in the optimal signaling strategy. Uh, So sometimes there are unlucky users. And uh, right, this may be, uh, may be an, uh, an ethical concern, right? Uh, because we do have, you know, while we're on a net, we're reducing the percentage of cracked passwords. There are some users whose passwords are being cracked because of uh, information signaling. Uh, so uh, right, uh, there's a couple, um, uh, you know, a couple proposals one could consider. One proposal would be just to make adoption of information signaling voluntary. So we could allow users to opt in, uh, opt into information signaling or opt out of information signaling. Um, so that would be one potential solution. Of course, if we allowed users to opt in or out after observing their signals, then that uh, um, that, uh, that might introduce another uh, source of bias. Now the attacker might be able to run uh, you know, a Bayesian update just based on the decision of whether or not uh, the user opted in or out, um, so uh, in this case, uh, um, opt in, opt out would have decisions would need to be made without actually observing the the actual signal. Um, another potential approach would be to modify the uh, optimization function or the objective function that the uh, defender is trying to optimize to penalize uh, solutions with uh, with unlucky users. Uh, so we haven't, uh, we haven't tried this, but that might be one way to, uh, um, uh, to use information signaling without, uh, uh, um, without uh, having unlucky users. Uh, so ideally, we'd only have lucky users and no, no unlucky users. All right, uh, so in conclusion, uh, we introduced uh, password strength signaling. Uh, the basic idea is to use Bayesian persuasion to convince a rational attacker to crack fewer passwords. And as we saw, um, it uh, in practice, it can actually reduce the fraction of passwords that would be cracked in an untargeted offline attack or even in an online attack. Uh, password strength signaling is actually very easy to integrate with current authentication procedures. Uh, in fact, it doesn't require any change to the password hashing algorithm. Uh, so these are all positives. Uh, But of course, uh, there are still important uh, ethical and societal questions, uh, which uh, we think would need to be addressed before we would want to see uh, um, password strength signaling adopted. Uh, So for for the time being, we just view this as a proof of concept idea. Um, Hopefully, uh, future work uh, will explore these uh, ethical and societal questions. And uh, perhaps in the future, we can actually start using information signaling uh, to reduce the uh, the percentage of passwords that a rational attacker will crack. All right. Uh, so, uh, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and, uh, I'll stick around for a little bit to, to answer any questions.
0: Hey, Jeremiah. Thanks a lot. Uh, looks like we have a question in the chat. Um, I'm going to read it off here. Um, is there an implicit assumption that users are using bad passwords, i.e. Ones that appear in dictionaries and breach lists, as opposed to large, randomly generated passwords from a password manager.
1: Okay, so um, that's a that's a great question. Uh, so no, there's not an implicit assumption that uh, that the user is picking weak passwords. Uh, information signaling is an idea that could be applied, uh, you know, for any password distribution. Uh, so we're not making any particular assumptions about the, the password distribution. However, I will say that uh, in practice, whenever we see a password disk, you know a breached password data set, we see an awful lot of weak passwords in that data set. Uh, so, for example, uh, when Rocky was breached, uh, there's thirty two point six million user accounts uh, represented in that data set, and nearly one percent of those users picked one, two, three four five six as their password. Um, so um, Yes, uh, you could use password strength signaling uh, even if the distribution is is stronger, uh, but uh, um, in practice, uh, the distribution is, is oftentimes uh, oftentimes somewhat weak.
0: Great. Um, looks like we have a, a follow up question or comment. Just that the Rock you. Uh, List I guess has some pretty awful passwords in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a there's a separate line of research uh, exploring, you know, can we encourage or nudge people to to pick stronger uh, stronger passwords? Um, but uh, you know, what we find is that uh, oftentimes when you require people to pick uh, stronger, you know, to add numbers or special symbols to their passwords. Oftentimes these policies can be even be counterproductive. And sometimes people respond to these passwords in predictable ways. And the resulting password distribution is oftentimes not any stronger than it was uh, in the first place. Um, So yes, uh, encouraging people to pick stronger passwords is certainly a very interesting and important research uh, area. But uh, one of the strengths of password uh, strength signaling is that you can deploy it uh, Without requiring users to change the way in which they pick passwords, uh, right? It's compatible with uh, you know whatever whatever people are doing to pick uh, pick their passwords, it's compatible with uh, uh, with what they're doing. whether that's uh, you know picking good passwords or bad passwords or as is usually the case, a mix of you know some users picking good passwords and some users picking strong password or weak passwords.
0: Anybody uh, has any questions, go ahead and post them in the uh, Q&A. Okay, it looks like we got another one here. Um, it's a multi-part question. So from the previous concrete small example, it feels that we are lowering the cost of weak passwords for the attacker which increases the cost of the remaining stronger passwords and try to make the attacker only attack the weaker passwords. Is is that observation correct? If this is the case, do we have the observation that the unlucky users are mostly users with weak passwords? And if so, can this solve the ethical problem since we are also indirectly encouraging users to pick stronger passwords?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so um, I guess, uh, yeah, there's multiple parts. I'll try to kind of address it, uh, address it point by point. Um, so I guess uh, um, the first observation is that uh, um, the attacker actually does benefit from the signal, right? Uh, that doesn't mean that the attacker cracks more passwords, uh, but the attacker's profit is actually larger because they observe this signal. Um, Now, um, in this case, uh, um, when the attacker observes the signal 0, they crack the password pw1, right? And they only have to check one guess. They just know that password immediately. Uh, When the attacker sees signal 1, then they're going to give up. So in this case, the attacker has dramatically reduced their guessing cost. Their expected profit is higher, uh, but they're actually cracking fewer passwords than they were before. So, actually, in this example, there are no unlucky users, right? Because recall that uh, before we started signaling, uh, the rational attacker was going to crack 100% of passwords, right? Uh, So, an unlucky user is a user whose password was not cracked before signaling, whose password is cracked after signaling, right? Uh, So, in this case, there are no unlucky users because everyone's password was cracked before. uh, before the password is signaled. No one's password is uh, cracked after, uh, after the password is signaled. Um, so, um, okay, I guess uh, um, the question is, uh, is it the case that unlucky users are mostly users with weak passwords? Um, actually, uh, um, actually, that's not necessarily the case. Um, uh, actually, users with weak passwords um, will oftentimes uh, sometimes get lucky Right? Because if they had their, if their password is weak, almost certainly the attacker was going to crack that password before we did any signaling, right? Uh, now after signaling, there might be a, they might get lucky and get a signal that the password is strong, uh, even though the password is actually weak. And in this case, uh, you know, they might get lucky and the attacker overlooks their password. Um, so yes, it's possible that unlucky users, uh, unlucky users uh, their passwords may be, uh, may be weak, but uh, most likely if you're unlucky, that means your password was, uh, was moderate to, to strong, uh, right? And uh, um, right. it may just be that after evasion update uh, that the attacker is going to, going to crack your password. Um, and so to, to be unlucky, um, your password at least has to be strong enough to resist the cracker, the password cracker before um, before we did any signaling, um, okay. And then uh, there's the question about uh, can we solve the ethical problem since we're indirectly encouraging users to pick stronger passwords? Um, I mean that that would be uh, you know one potential solution is just to um, uh, design the signaling uh, method in which uh, you know weak password weak passwords are always going to get. Uh, um, advantageous signals with lower probability than stronger passwords. Uh, that that may be one way to uh, to address it. Say, uh, um, you know, certainly in this example uh, that is the case, uh, right? Uh, if your password's not the weakest password, you're always going to get the signal one. If your password is the weakest password, then sometimes you're going to get signal one, sometimes you're going to get signal zero. Um, so yeah, that would be one way to to try to solve it. Another way would. Uh, so um, jumping ahead, yeah, here the defender's goal is basically to find a signaling matrix which minimizes the objective function. Here the objective function is simply uh, you know, the percentage of passwords that a rational attacker would crack. Um, but I could modify this objective function to inherently penalize uh, solutions uh, in which there are um, a large number of unlucky users, right? So I could say, not only do I want to minimize the percentage of passwords that are cracked, but there's going to also be some penalty that I pay if there's unlucky users. Uh, And uh, that would, uh, when we're solving the optimization problem that would steer us towards signaling matrices which have zero or few unlucky users. Okay, Um, yeah. All right, uh, any other questions?
0: Okay, I don't see any other questions here, but Jeremiah, thanks a lot. Thanks again, I really appreciate it. All
1: right, well, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, All right, thanks a lot,
0: take care, bye.